Welcome to Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha, a podcast shared by David Roylance. This podcast is dedicated to guiding you to completely eliminate the discontent mind and the suffering it causes by attaining enlightenment. Learn and practice the teachings of Gotama Buddha that will guide you to fully attain a peaceful, calm, serene, and content mind with joy. To support this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support Buddha or visit buddhadailywisdom.com where you will discover a full range of courses, retreats, and online learning resources to assist you on the path to enlightenment. Now, here's our teacher to share more. Sawadikap. Hello and welcome to Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha. Today is the restart of our group learning program. This is a completely new start where we're beginning from the beginning of our group learning program. And over the next seven months, we're going to be progressing week by week, helping you to develop your meditation practice, but more importantly, helping you to develop your life practice where you're learning and practicing Gautama Buddha's teachings on this path to enlightenment. As we progress, we're going to be having classes, there's books, there's audiobooks, videos, podcasts, quizzes, all different ways for you to learn and grow and understand this path to enlightenment and start bringing these teachings into your life in a way that you can independently determine the truth and get to this enlightened mental state where the mind is peaceful, calm, serene, and content with joy permanently. And in order to do that, meditation is a very important part of that practice. So to start us off in our group learning program, I thought we would just get started with meditation and just do a short meditation session before we actually start talking about the program itself and how it actually works and how we're going to actually progress over the next seven months. So I would like to welcome you. I'm really pleased that you're here and look forward to sharing the teachings of Gautama Buddha with you as we progress on this path to enlightenment. But let's get started with meditation and then afterwards we'll go into exploring the content of the program and helping you to understand how things will progress over the next seven months. So to get you started, go ahead and take a position probably seated. This is the best way to get started with a meditation practice is most likely in the seated position. If you'd like to sit on the floor, you can do that with your legs crossed. Not too tight though, because you don't want to inhibit circulation around your legs. Place some pillows or cushions maybe under your rear to get your rear up in the air. This lessens the angle between your hips and your knees and your ankles, taking some of the tension off those joints and allowing the circulation in the lower body to flow. Your upper body should be nice and erect and it should be nice and straight with the muscles engaged. You can do this on the floor or you can do it in a chair like I'm sitting here today. So if the floor isn't comfortable for you, you can sit in a chair, which means your feet are probably either flat on the floor or crossed at the ankles. With your spine erect and your muscles engaged, which will keep the mind actively engaged during meditation, just close the eyes and start breathing in through the nose and out through the nose. Just take some nice, steady, consistent breaths. 
Breathing in and out. We're not doing anything specific here yet. We're just breathing. Just helping you to establish a nice, steady, consistent breath. Breathing in through the nose and out through the nose. Breathing in and out. Just sit with the breath for a few cycles here and just start to establish a nice natural breath where you're not trying to control or force the breath. You're just allowing the breath to come in through the nose and out through the nose naturally. Breathing in and out. Breathing in and out. Now fixate the mind on the sound of the breath or the sensation of the air entering the nose over the skin. This sound of the breath or the sensation of the air entering the nose is the present moment. Try to fixate the mind on this sound or sensation. Still breathing in and out. Breathing in and out. Now I'm gonna offer you a little bit of guidance just to help you understand what to do during meditation. So you're gonna be focused on the breath, the sound or sensation. And as you breathe in through the nose and out through the nose, if the mind wanders, or as I should say, when the mind wanders, just let those thoughts go, cut them off, and bring the mind back to the breath. The mind's gonna be interested to go to the past or the future. It may have thoughts, ideas, or perceptions. You haven't done anything wrong you haven't failed at meditation. This is just what the unenlightened mind does. It wanders. It likes to go places. It doesn't want to stay in the present moment. So wherever you notice that the mind has wandered, at whatever point you notice that, cut it off, let it go, and bring the mind back to the breath. Breathing in and out. Breathing in and out. I'm going to be quiet now. 
just for a short time and let you experience meditation without me talking and no other stimulus. You have nowhere to go. There's nothing to do. No one needs you right now. Just focus on the breath. Breathing in and out. Breathing in and out.
Just focus on the breath. As the mind wanders, just cut it off. Let it go. And bring the mind back to the breath. The present moment. Breathing in and out. Okay, if you'd like to slowly start coming out of meditation, just did a short little meditation for today, just to kind of get things started. All right, so this is our first class of the restart of our group learning program. And we have people logged in from all over the world either in our Zoom virtual classroom, live streaming to Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and Periscope. We're also recording this for our podcast. So all of these classes, if you're participating, you'll be able to actively ask questions and submit those as we go. Or if for some reason you miss a class, you can watch the content either Facebook, YouTube, or the podcast if you like. And it's still going to be on Twitch and Periscope as well. 
And of course, you're always welcome to ask questions in class or outside of class, which is what we're going to go through now and help you understand how this program unfolds. And typically after meditation, there's going to be a student discussion period where you can ask questions about how your meditation went and how to improve it and various things that you're learning. But for today, we're going to just go right into helping you understand how the group learning program is laid out and how it progresses. And then after we talk about the group learning program itself, we're going to move into having an open discussion where any kind of questions that you might have related to anything in your practice, we can talk about at that point. But as we go here, I'm going to just introduce you to the program itself. And at different times, we'll take questions of what you have questions based on what it is that I'm discussing. And the way that you can ask questions is you can either submit those in the comment section of Facebook, YouTube, or in the Zoom virtual classroom. You can just type out your question and one of our moderators, either James or Manal, will see that and make sure your question gets asked during class. If you're in Zoom, you can electronically raise your hand and ask your question or any follow-up questions directly. So those are all the different ways that you can ask questions during the class. So let's talk about what is the group learning program. The group learning program is a live interactive online classes to learn the teachings of Gautama Buddha. This is predominantly hosted in Zoom, which we have many people there, and also live streamed out through Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and Periscope, as well as being captured on our podcast. On Sundays and Wednesdays at 9 p.m. Thai time, this is the time that we host the class and it's live. And if you can attend then, that's wonderful because you have the opportunity to interact with other students as well as ask questions live during the class. On Sundays, we're going to be studying a chapter from this book, Developing a Life Practice, The Path That Leads to Nirvana. You can download this book for free Anywhere that you're watching this, there should be a link that you can download this book for free and get an accessible copy. If you'd like a printed copy, you can either take the PDF file into your local printer and print it, or if you'd like to get a nice bound book like this, it's also available on amazon.com and you can get it from there bound like a normal book. So on Sundays, we're gonna be covering a specific chapter in the book. And we're gonna start with chapter one about one month from now on Sunday. But before we get to that point, we've got some other classes that are gonna help build you up and lay a foundation for what the entire program's all about. So that's what we're gonna be doing in February is each Sunday, we're gonna be discussing a topic related to this path to enlightenment. So over the next four Sundays, it'll kind of give you a preview of what the entire six month, seven month program is all about. So each Sunday, whether you're live or you're listening afterwards in one of the other venues, then you'll be able to see what this whole path to enlightenment is in basically a four week period of time. And then from there, we'll pick up on chapter one, two, three, and continuing through the book. Each class, I will let you know what we're gonna be doing in the next class so if you'd like to prepare ahead of time by reading or something like this, you'll be able to do that. So on Sundays, that's when we have our main discussion and question and answer period throughout each week as we progress. On Wednesdays, 
we do meditation and Pali chanting instruction. The meditation that we're going to learn in this program is breathing mindfulness meditation and loving kindness meditation. These are the two primary meditations taught by Gautama Buddha in order to address the two primary problems in the mind. There's a total of three problems that the Buddha discovered in the mind in terms of craving, anger, and what we call ignorance or unknowing of true reality. And these two forms of meditation address two of those major problems. And then the third class that we do, in addition to breathing mindfulness meditation, loving kindness meditation, every third Wednesday, we focus on Buddhist chanting. If you would like to learn Buddhist chanting, it's a way to kind of ease the mind into meditation and get more benefit out of the meditation itself. On the first Wednesday where we teach Pali chanting, I will help you understand all the various benefits of what chanting is all about. It's not mystical, magical kind of chanting. It's actually useful to train the mind. So we'll be discussing that on the very first Wednesday where we discuss chanting. So what we do on the Wednesdays is we rotate. We have one Wednesday where we do breathing mindfulness meditation. The next Wednesday is loving kindness meditation. And then the third Wednesday is the Pali chanting. And oftentimes what we'll do is do meditation on the same day as Pali chanting as well. So we're meditating together each Wednesday in one form or fashion. But the idea is, is that this is building you up so that each day you can be meditating on your own, that you'll be learning meditation and all the other teachings in class, but you need to develop your life practice. That's why this book is called Developing a Life Practice, because you need to develop a life practice where you're consistently meditating over a longer and longer period of time. Gautama Buddha meditated three times a day, but you might start with just once or twice, or some people actually will start with doing three times a day if you're able to do that and kind of slowly, gradually ramp up your practice more and more and more. And we'll talk about how to do that and you'll get a chance to ask all kinds of questions as we progress in the program. There's a Facebook group called Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha, where every day I'm posting certain posts from the Buddhist teachings, primarily from this book. So you'll see each day that there's a certain section of this chapter from the week's chapter that we're covering. You'll see that chapter being shared over the course of seven days that each day I kind of chop out a little section of the chapter and I share that online and you can ask questions right there in the Facebook group if you like in terms of asking it right on the post that I make or you can make your own post if it's about a topic unrelated to anything else you might just have your own type of question that you might want to post in there and then I'll answer that in there for you. In this Facebook group, the members aren't teaching each other. A lot of the Buddhism groups across Facebook, they're kind of like free form and open where everybody kind of shares and talks and collaborates on different things, sharing what they know about the Buddhist teachings. And there's lots of groups like that if you would like to participate in those kind of groups. But the way that this particular group is set up is it's set up for students to seek guidance. And the only thing that members or students are doing in there is asking questions. They're not 
trying to teach you or teach each other because it gets very confusing if there's so many people trying to share their perspective on the teachings. So it's a place where you can come and learn. It's essentially an online learning center and it's kind of like home base for all the different activities that we're doing and all the classes and resources that I share in the world. So you can get access to this by just clicking to join this particular group daily wisdom walking the path with the buddha and everybody's approved right away and as soon as you're approved you then have access to all the resources that are in there asking questions through your own posts or asking questions based on posts that i make and you can ask questions to get clarification there's a video library in youtube where in there you'll see some short videos on each individual chapter. I think I've got about maybe 10 of the chapters in there and just a 10 or 15 minute video. But then there's two complete playlists of this group learning program from a year ago and six months ago, where this is the third time that I've taught this program online. And each time that I teach it, it gets live streamed to Facebook and YouTube and it gets saved there. So if you go to our YouTube channel, not only are you going to get the short videos of each chapter, but you're also going to get the playlist of all the live streams that I've done in the past where I've taught this similar content with questions from students and so forth. There's also a podcast which has the same content as the YouTube channel, except it's edited audio. It's purely audio where I've gone in and made sure that the audio is really clean. So the YouTube channel is really great if you're looking for the visual aids and having the teaching there. If you're not as interested in the visual aids, but you would like really clean audio, the podcast is a good place to go for that. And they can maybe serve different purposes depending on where you are in the world. You might be able to listen to a podcast, but not a YouTube video. Or you may be interested to sit down and actually see a video and that's what you'll have available to you in the video library. And both of these are named exactly the same way as the Facebook group, which is Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha. So you can find our YouTube channel or our podcast in either of those ways, or look at the links and anywhere that you see any content from us, we've got the links to both of these resources. There's also the audiobook. This same book, Developing a Life Practice, The Path That Leads to Nibbana, there's actually an audiobook that I recorded in a professional studio here in Chiang Mai. You can get that on the YouTube channel, which has the actual book in video form, which kind of displays as I'm reading the chapter to you. And on the podcast, it's also there, just the pure audio, and you can hear the audiobook from there where I'm reading the chapter all the way through. So the audiobook is available for you as well because there's a lot of research that shows if you're reading something and listening at the same time, your retention and comprehension is a lot better. In fact, sometimes when I'm preparing for these classes, I will oftentimes go to YouTube and look at the audiobook myself. Even though I wrote the book, I will read the book through YouTube and listen to myself actually reading it to myself. So the audiobook is really great for retention and drawing in the information. And then there's also quizzes as well. If you'd like to use these, there's quizzes for each individual chapter. Out of the 25 chapters, there's about 20 different quizzes 
which has about 20 questions. I think it'll take you maybe 15 minutes, 10 minutes to kind of take one of those quizzes. And I even put a couple of jokes in there as well along the way to make it fun and interesting. But these quizzes, the, the score isn't looked at by me. It's not something that's accessible to everyone else. It will email you and tell you what your score is and help you to see any questions that you got incorrect. But the idea behind the quizzes is that it helps you to confirm your learning. Because it's one thing to go through a program where you're reading, you're watching videos, you're participating in online class, you're listening to the audiobook, but it's a whole nother thing to actually take some quizzes and kind of have you leave that week of learning with, okay, I feel like I got that, yeah. And you kind of feel confirmed in your understanding. So the quizzes will do that for you. Not only will they hopefully entertain you a little bit along the way, but they'll also confirm your understanding and help you feel more confident about what you understand. All of these resources are actually combined at the end of each chapter. If you download this book at the end of the chapter, you're going to see this table where it says learning resources for further exploration. So you can read the chapter, but then at the end, you can either click on the links for the audiobook, and there it has the YouTube links as well as the podcast link for the audiobook. It has links to the videos in YouTube and the previous classes and live streams that I've done, and it has links to the podcast as well as the quizzes. So everything's integrated into the book at the end of each chapter. So it's kind of like an interactive book where you can read it and then you can click on the links to explore other resources to take in the teachings along the way. So that's what you can use the book for. And then there's ongoing support. If you'd like to ask a question in class here online, or I also teach classes here in Chiang Mai at a local temple, so you can come to an in-person class on Thursday morning at 10.30 at Wat Tung Yu. It's in the city of Chiang Mai. It's a really nice private temple. Anybody is able to come, but it's nice and quiet. It's not a real busy temple. So if you'd like to come on Thursdays at 10.30 a.m., I'll be teaching there and you can ask questions in person. You can ask questions in the Facebook group. You can private message me through private chat if you'd like. You can even schedule an appointment with me in order to have a personal guidance where you and I meet together in Zoom, just you and I, or if there's some other app that works better for you besides Zoom, but mostly I use Zoom, where you can come together with just me and we can talk for you know however long you like. Usually the appointments are about an hour and I can help you along to confirm anything that you're looking to confirm your understanding on, or if you have specific questions that you feel like you'd rather ask privately, or certain things you would like to understand in a personal discussion, you can do that through scheduling using this link. Calendly, it's C-A-L-E-N-D-L-Y dot com forward slash David dash Roylands. It's C-A-L-E-N-D-L-Y dot com forward slash David dash Roylands. And if you go to this link, it will just present you a really easy thing that you just make a couple clicks. You can see what's available on my schedule and it automatically adjusts for your local time zone. So I've set up times each day throughout the week that 
I'm available for personal appointments and it's only going to show you those times that are available that I've set up, but it's going to adjust all of that based on your local time zone. And then as soon as you click submit, it notifies me, it puts it on my personal calendar, and then it gives you the login information so that you can log into Zoom and we can be chatting and having a personal discussion when you've scheduled it. And there's a lot of students who do that every week or every two weeks or once a month. It's totally up to you. It's not required. It's available to you. And in the way that the Buddhist teachings are typically taught, there is personal interaction between students and the teacher because it's helpful for the teacher to understand your mind. And it's also helpful for you to get to know the teacher. But more importantly, there are certain things that are kind of private in nature that you really want to get specific help with in terms of how to apply the teachings of the Buddha in your daily life. Because the books and the classes and everything else that I share, it's really good to share those teachings in kind of a general way with a wide audience in a class. But then where the real benefit comes in is how do you actually apply this on a day to day basis in your personal situations? So as you're encountering certain things in your life, you'll be able to learn how to apply these teachings in your daily life through either asking questions in one of these ways that I've already talked about or through a personal discussion with your teacher. So this is what the program is all about. And I thought what I would do is just kind of pause here and see what questions you guys might have. And just as a reminder, you can put your questions in the Facebook, into YouTube or Zoom comment section. Our moderators will see that and make sure your question gets asked or you can raise your hand electronically in Zoom and ask your question directly. So with that, I'll just check with James or Manal and see if we have any questions coming in. It appears we have no questions at this time, David. Okay, so let's move into why are we learning the Buddhist teachings, right? That's a really important thing. What I just described is what the program is, but let's talk about why. What the Buddhist teachings are is it's all about training the mind. There's nothing in the Buddhist teachings that are based on belief. Belief, the mind doesn't know whether it's true or false. The mind is just believing something. That's not how the Buddhist teachings work. The Buddhist teachings are essentially all about you learning certain teachings about what we call the natural laws of existence. This is how you gain wisdom and awaken the mind to enlightenment. The only way that you gain this wisdom is by you not believing what it is that I'm teaching and not believing what it is that the Buddha taught. But instead you listen, you understand, and you reflect on that. And then you independently discover the truth through practicing the teachings. And when you gain this newfound wisdom, the mind starts functioning through this newfound wisdom more and more and more, and it gradually awakens to what we call true reality. So where other types of traditions, there might be a lot of things to believe. And if you believe all of those things, then something good happens to you once you die. The Buddhist teachings aren't that way. The Buddhist teachings are you learn actively with a teacher, and then you take those teachings and you apply them in your daily life. And in doing so, you will discover the truth that these teachings are real and true 
And as you do, the mind starts functioning differently. Through this training of the mind, the mind will become more peaceful, calm, serene, and content with joy. So things that used to once make you very angry or frustrated or sad or loneliness or boredom or any of these other discontent feelings, over the course of time of training your mind, that will diminish and diminish and diminish to the point where certain things will happen that once happened in the past and you became very angry at. Now those same things will start happening, but the mind won't be angry. The mind will be peaceful. The mind will be calm, serene, and content with joy. And that's how you know the teachings are working. So rather than believe a bunch of things and hope that you figured it out by the time you died and something good will happen to you, you actually get to see the results right now. That as you train the mind through the Buddhist teachings, that the condition of the mind gradually improves every day, every week, every month. You'll see this gradual progression as you get going. And I'll help you see how to discover these truths as I teach. I won't just be broadcasting information to you. I'll actually be teaching five or 10 minutes, and then I'm gonna ask you some questions in order to kind of help you reflect on that. Not that you have to give me an answer in class, but just to help you reflect on the things that I'm teaching you so that you can see the truth and these light bulbs will start going off for you. And where all this leads to is the elimination of discontent feelings because the enlightened mind that is completely enlightened will be peaceful, calm, serene, and content with joy permanently. You'll eradicate all the defilements or all the pollution in the mind that's causing it these discontent feelings. The main thing that's causing all of this mind to experience all of this is that the mind doesn't understand what it doesn't understand. There's all of these various natural laws of existence that the Buddha awakened to and understood and that can be independently proven. You can prove it for yourself independent of your teacher. And once you awaken and you discover this wisdom on your own, and you now become familiar with these natural laws of existence, your mind will start functioning in the world very differently than it does right now. And that's how the mind gradually awakens, that it gains this wisdom and it starts functioning differently. But this takes time, it's a gradual process, and I'm here to support you, encourage you, and motivate you along this path as we progress. As the mind becomes more awakened, more enlightened, then you'll experience not only a more peaceful mind, but also a more peaceful life. You will notice that you won't have all of these struggles and these battles and these complications going on in life because your mind will have the wisdom of how to deal with day-to-day activities that are happening in your life. So your life becomes very peaceful because everything that you experience in life is experienced through the mind. So by you training the mind to be more peaceful, calm, serene, and content with joy, with the mind having acquiring that and attaining that more and more, what you're experiencing in life goes through the mind and is experienced through the mind. So your life becomes very, very peaceful because the mind is peaceful. 
This will also help improve your personal and professional relationships. Because one of the things that human beings struggle with the most is our relationships, our life partner, our children, our boss, our coworkers, our neighbors, our family, all these various relationships in our life become very discontent. We end up having lots of challenges and struggles in relationships, and we end up pushing people away because we're not able to have this comfortable relationship where you can understand why you're getting angry and why other people are frustrated and what's going on here in true reality. So the unenlightened mind struggles to have these personal and professional relationships. But as you awaken to this wisdom, the mind will start functioning through this wisdom in a more peaceful, calm, serene, and content way. Essentially, what you're doing in learning the Buddhist teachings is the same thing that you did with the natural law of gravity. When you were a child, you didn't understand the natural law of gravity. You essentially were one years old, two years old, five years old. You knew that every time you stood up, you kept falling down. And if you ran too fast and your feet got bundled up underneath of the body, you would fall down and you would hit your knee. Or if you put your toys in a certain place, they would fall down and break. This natural law of gravity was unknown to you when you were young and you were little because your mind didn't have the wisdom of this natural law of gravity. But over time, your mind gained more and more understanding. It gained more and more wisdom. It gained more and more training. Your mind in the body was trained to understand this natural law and you awakened and you got this wisdom through understanding this natural law of gravity. And as you did, you then became able to function in the world more peacefully, where now you probably don't fall down very much. Or if you do, you probably giggle and laugh at yourself. Or you don't have things that fall down off of tables and break very frequently because you understand the natural law of gravity. And when you were a child, you had to stick around adults and learn all of these natural laws because they were your teachers to help you understand certain things in life. Well, these natural laws of existence that the Buddha awakened to, it's just like the natural law of gravity, that when you learn these teachings and you gain the wisdom to understand these natural laws, your mind will gradually awaken, getting more and more wisdom. And just like you can now function more peacefully with the natural law of gravity, you'll be able to do the same thing with the natural laws of existence taught by the Buddha once you learn them and start practicing them. The reason why you've been struggling in your personal and professional relationships and why life can sometimes feel a bit miserable is because you don't yet understand the natural law of existence. Just like it was miserable as a child, every time you stood up, you kept falling down and you kept falling down and your toys kept breaking and you would cry and you would boo-hoo because of this natural law of gravity that you didn't understand. Eventually, you started understanding it. And now if you fall down, you might laugh and chuckle a little bit, right? Because you understand it and you just realize, oops, I made a mistake. Well, the same things happening here 
is you just haven't become wise enough to these natural laws of existence that you'll understand them and now you can function with them peacefully. And that's the process that you now need to go through in order to awaken to this wisdom that will share with you the natural laws of existence. And as you do, this is why your personal professional relationships will blossom and you will no longer experience these struggles in life because you will understand how to operate within these natural laws. You'll still face challenges. There'll still be things that will come up, but you won't look at them as problems, right? You'll have the wisdom of how to apply wisdom to these challenges and improve the situation that's happening for you. And you'll figure that out as you go. And as the mind becomes more and more awakened, not only are all these benefits realized, but you'll also notice that the mind becomes more focused, more concentrated. You'll get clarity of mind and deeper memory because when the mind's polluted with what we call the three unwholesome roots or the three poisons, the mind is muddled. It's not very clear. It's not focused, concentrated, clear. There's not much memory in the mind. That's one of the reasons why it becomes such a struggle in life to progress because the mind has all this clutter. The Buddha called it muddle-mindedness. And as you awaken and the mind's pollution clears out more and more through the training, then the mind increases its focus, concentration, clarity, and memory, which is going to benefit you in all parts of your life. All parts of your life are going to see improvements in your personal, professional life because your mind is now functioning more optimally. Okay. And then lastly, what's going to occur as you get closer and closer to enlightenment is you're going to escape this cycle of rebirth. This is something that people oftentimes don't understand much about. It's not something I'm going to go into a lot of detail here, but the problem that we're all experiencing is that we keep being reborn over and over and over again. We're going to get to this way towards the end of the program. It's like chapter 22, I think, chapter 20 or 22, very far at the end of the program, where we're going to go through and talk about the cycle of rebirth. And we'll kind of touch on it probably here and there, but we're going to really get deep into it towards the end of the program, because this is a question and content that you don't necessarily need to understand right now. But do understand that you've been many, many beings in the past. And if you don't attain enlightenment in this life, then you will be reborn into future existences. And the idea is, is that by you learning and practicing the teachings to attain enlightenment, which you will observe the condition of the mind improving, once you attain enlightenment, you'll no longer be reborn. You'll escape all this suffering or this misery or this challenges of life because You've escaped it in this life. You've solved the problem of the discontent mind in this life to get to enlightenment. And now because you've solved it, you'll no longer experience rebirth to come back and experience life again, which can be liberating because who really wants to continually go through learning how to crawl, walk, run, learning how to talk, learning your ABCs, learning how to read and write and do math, 
learning how to interact with people, learning all the different things we had to learn, all the sorrows and heartache and challenges that you experienced in life. Sure, you've had some good experiences and some enjoyment throughout your life, but there's also been a lot of misery that you wouldn't want to repeat if you had the choice. Well, you do have a choice. The choice is that you learn and practice the teachings of the Buddha, and by doing so, you'll see that your mind becomes more and more peaceful, and as it does, and you attain enlightenment, then there'll no longer be rebirth, where you need to come back and experience these problematic situations that you've experienced throughout life. So what's happened in the past is in the past in terms of the lives that you've lived. What may or may not happen in the future in terms of rebirth, it's in the future. It's not important right now. So that's why we're going to put this away until we get towards the end of the program where you can more fully understand the cycle of rebirth and why this is really the true core problem that we're solving. But in order to solve that problem, you've got to first solve the problem with the discontent mind, which is what this path to enlightenment is going to help you do. So let me pause here and see if there's any questions. I know this is a brand new class. Students may be a little bit shy to ask a question, or maybe you just truly don't have any questions. But if there are any questions on this particular content, I'd like to just pause and give you a chance to ask those questions. We have no questions at this time, David. All right. So let's go into how we're going to do this. And I've already touched on this a bit. Essentially, what we're going to do is one chapter a week. And this first month, we're not really covering a chapter. Or if you would like to read a chapter, it's chapter four and five. But you don't really have to read this first month if you don't want to, because Starting in March is where we're going to start chapter one, two, three, and continue from there. If you're going to read anything this week or this month, I would say read the preface of the book. The very beginning of the book has a preface. And if you read those few pages, that'll kind of get you started for this month. Because I'm going to walk you through over the next four Sundays, I'm going to walk you through the core teachings of the Buddha which is going to give you a preview of this entire path to enlightenment. And we're going to do that on Sundays at nine o'clock Thai time, right here, wherever you're seeing this. If you're not able to come to a class live, then you can just watch the recording available either on Facebook, YouTube, or the podcast. This is essentially an independent study program. It's a journey for you to progress independently. I'm here to provide guidance. I'm here to provide support, encouragement, motivation. I'm here to provide the content of the class and help you learn and progress. But this is really your life. It's your life. It's your decisions. It's you choosing to pick up the book, to watch the videos, to listen to the podcast, to come to class, to ask questions, to take the quizzes. This is your life and it's your practice. It's not my practice. It's your practice to independently journey on this path to enlightenment. And you've got support here from me and other members of the community in order for you to do that. All of the Buddhist teachings, as I mentioned, are based on independent verification of the truth of the teachings. There's nothing that you're going to accomplish on this path based on belief. There's no belief. And that should be really liberating to you that there's no time that the Buddha or I 
are going to say, just believe me. I'll never say that to you. And the Buddha never said that either. Because your mind isn't going to be liberated by belief. As I teach you in each individual class, you're going to see how I'll share for a few minutes. And then I will ask you questions to kind of invite you to reflect. And when I say reflect, it's looking inward to determine whether what I'm sharing with you is the truth or not. So I'll teach you for five minutes or so on the first day this Sunday. And then I will ask you a few questions to have you look internally over the experiences that you've had in your life to determine whether or not what I'm actually sharing is true. And through that reflecting in class and outside of class, you'll be able to determine the truth for yourself that if what I'm saying is true or not, is it true or is it false? You'll be able to determine it for yourself because if it's truth, if it's pure truth, if it's the natural laws of existence, then this truth exists whether you're here in Chiang Mai, Thailand, or you're somewhere else in the world. So you should be able to take what I'm sharing in these classes and you should be able to apply it and see it working in your life because it's the natural laws of existence. So through that process of reflecting and looking at the teachings to determine through your past experiences if this is indeed what you have experienced or not, and through applying it in your daily life, through that process of reflecting, you'll be able to determine the truth and then you will have wisdom and the mind will be able to retain this wisdom and now practice more and more and more. And as you make better and better decisions through this wisdom, your life in the condition of your mind will just gradually improve. You really need to establish a daily meditation practice with breathing mindfulness meditation and loving kindness meditation. I suggest for the first two to four weeks that you only do breathing mindfulness meditation. Loving kindness meditation is something that needs to be learned, understood, and practiced as well. But breathing mindfulness meditation is the practice that you need to start out with. So in this program, I'm going to be starting out each Wednesday with breathing mindfulness meditation. I'm not actually going to teach loving kindness meditation until next month. Even though we typically rotate breathing mindfulness meditation, loving kindness meditation, and Buddhist chanting every week, I'm not going to start that rotation until next month in March so that this month of February, you'll be able to just really establish this breathing mindfulness meditation practice. That's what's important to get that one started. And then once you've got that really well established over this month of February, then in March, we'll bring in the loving kindness meditation so that you can add that to your practice. And these are the only two that you'll actually need to really get moving and headed forward on this path. If you've learned any particular type of meditation in the past or any kind of teachings in the past, those things can help you and they got you to where you are right now. But I would suggest that you set that stuff aside for now. You're welcome to ask questions about it. You're welcome to ask me how does that relate to what it is that I'm teaching. You're welcome to discuss all of that either in class or in the Facebook group or in personal discussions. Totally up to you if you kind of want to see my thoughts on what it is that you've been practicing in the past. But in large part, it's really important that you kind of approach this 
as if you've never ever studied Buddhist teachings whatsoever and try to come to it as much with a clean slate as possible because in doing so that way you can really take in and absorb what it is that I'm sharing and get the most benefit out of the classes and the content that I'm sharing. So this is how we're actually going to progress throughout the program and you're going to need to progress as this independent study where you're coming to classes to get information but you're really implementing it in your daily life on a day-to-day -day basis. This program is offered completely free and available to everyone and anybody. There's no cost. There's never a time where I'm going to ask for a payment. There's no kind of anything like that. Everything that's being shared is shared openly and freely with everyone. But in order to kind of set your mind to kind of approach this in a proper way, what I would suggest you do is almost kind of consider that this program did cost you money. Consider it to be a six-month program, even though it's seven months. <laughs> consider it to be a, a six-month program that cost you almost $10,000. Now, that's a lot of money, $9,999. Just imagine for a moment that you've worked for however long, you know, for some people, you know, that can be almost 10, 20 years worth of income, you know, to be able to build up that amount of money to pay for a program. Again, everything I offer is completely offered openly and freely at no cost. But if you can set your mind to the same thinking that if you bought something at a store or you bought a car or you bought some clothes, you would really value what it is that you're purchasing because you had to work really hard in order to build up enough money to purchase a particular thing and use a particular tool. Or if you went away to a university or a college or some educational program, you would ensure that you were being diligent with your studies because you put in some money in order to make sure you got that learning resource or you got that particular car or clothes. And I would like you to do the exact same thing with this program. Just imagine that you've spent this enormous amount of money and you've put that in there and now take this program just as important as you would had you truly paid that money to a university or a college or some other place so that you can stay dedicated and committed to learning and practicing these teachings in class and out of class as well. Because just like everything in life, this program is just like everything else. You're going to get out of this program what you put into it. If you come to classes on Sundays and Wednesdays or listen to the playbacks, if you're meditating each day, one time, two times, three times a day, if you're asking questions in class, in the Facebook group, sending private messages, having personal discussions with me, you're going to get a lot out of this program because you're putting a lot into it. But if you're just going to sit back and be complacent and just kind of see what happens, you're not going to get the same amount of benefit out of learning and progressing on this path as if you roll up the sleeves and you dive in and really sink your teeth into the book, the audiobook, the podcast, the quizzes, the online classes, the personal guidance, all the other things that you have available to you to really ensure that you're gaining 
the wisdom that you need in order to liberate the mind. So consider yourself having paid this enormous amount of money and now it's time for you to get your value out of this learning resource. So engage to learn and grow, engage with the resources, engage with me, engage in the online community, and you'll see that the more you do so, the condition of the mind is just gonna gradually improve more and more and more. So this is everything that I had to share with you guys today in terms of what I had prepared to discuss. So I'd like to open up to any questions that you might have about the program, about how we progress, about meditation, about how to get started, anything that's on your mind in terms of how you might consider to move forward in this program because that's really important in order to help you get moving and moving ahead in this program. Hi, David. I was wondering if you have any recommendations for one who is just starting out on a meditation as far as how often they may want to meditate during a particular day. If somebody's never ever meditated ever in their life, they can start out with either once, twice, or three times a day, whatever they feel comfortable with, whatever they can choose to make time for. When you meditate, you don't need to time your meditation. This is a very common thing that people will actually time their meditation. But what you're going to notice there is the mind's going to keep wanting and craving and desiring and longing for knowing, is it time yet? Is it time yet? Has it been 15 minutes? Has it been 20 minutes? Has it been 30 minutes? Well, the whole goal of breathing mindfulness meditation is to let go so that the mind doesn't have this longing. And you're going to understand why on Sunday we're going to talk about this. So if you set an alarm and the mind sitting there all the way through meditation just wondering what time it is and is it time to finish yet, then the mind's actually doing exactly what you're trying to train it not to do. So I suggest that you just meditate either morning, midday, or evening, or all of these times. Morning is really great before the phone starts ringing, maybe even before you eat breakfast with the empty stomach, that before your day really gets going, it kind of sets up your day for a really nice day. The evening works out really nice because things have quieted down. There's not as many people around. The phone stops ringing. Once again, the stomach's empty, which really helps with meditation. So if you meditate then, again, without timing it, in the evening, it really helps to ease the mind into bed so that you can actually have a really good nice sleep. And if you do these as two anchor points where morning and evening, you're meditating each day, you're going to see that your life in the condition of the mind is just going to gradually improve. Well, if you can get a third one in there somewhere, that's wonderful. You know, you can do midday, but typically when someone just starts out, that's not usually what they're able to do. But there's certainly some people that have done that and they benefit from having done so. Because if you can meditate three times a day, you're going to see the progress happen much more quickly because meditating is like having an empty bucket and you're trying to fill up this bucket with water. And as you're meditating, you're scooping water into the bucket and your bucket's going to become more and more full. Well, if you're only meditating once a day for, say, five minutes, okay, you're getting some water and the water's growing. But if you meditate twice a day, now you're scooping more water or three times a day, you're scooping more water. 
Or if you can expand from five minutes to 10, to 15, to 20, to 30 minutes per session, now you're scooping more water and the water is growing in the bucket more and more and more. And this is only gonna help you as you progress. So no need to kind of compare your meditation to somebody else's meditation. No reason to compare one session to the next. Maybe you got five minutes one time, you got 20 minutes another. You shouldn't even need to time, you know, don't even time your meditation. Maybe one day you sit down, your meditation, the mind's really, really busy and active. Another day, maybe it's pretty calm and pretty settled. This is impermanence. We're going to talk about this on Sunday, how there's no constant, steady, fixed state. So don't expect that you're going to be able to get the same amount of time for each meditation session. And don't expect that each meditation session is going to produce the same results. One meditation session, your mind's going to be really busy. Another one is going to be more calm. And that's noticeable. That's understandable. That's just how all of this works because of impermanence. So don't judge your meditation session. Don't put pressure on yourself. And if you plan to do two or three a day and you only get one, don't beat yourself up. Don't feel guilty. Nobody's judging you. Nobody's looking at you and judging whether you did good or whether you did bad. Nobody's doing that. I'm not doing that. Nobody else is doing that. So make your idea of, okay, I'm going to meditate once a day to get started. Maybe that's what you do. And you just do it once a day for a week or two. And maybe you start out with five or 10 minutes. And then as you go, you expand that to 15 or 20 minutes once a day. And then that's going well for a while. And then maybe you say, all right, well, I'm going to ramp up to twice a day. And now, even though you've been doing once a day for a couple of weeks, you ramp up to twice a day. And maybe some days you get twice a day, some day it's only one. Some day it's twice, some day it's only one. This is normal. Again, no need to beat yourself up, no need to feel guilty or shameful. You haven't done anything wrong. This is just the impermanent nature of all things. That some days you're gonna meditate once, some days you're gonna meditate twice, some days you're gonna meditate three times. Some days you may even totally forget as you're building up your practice you might totally forget to meditate on a particular day and you might be laying in bed or the next morning you wake up and you're like, whoa, I totally forgot to meditate yesterday. No big deal. Okay. You're ramping up your practice. It's going to take you time to kind of build that consistency in your practice where you're meditating each day for once, twice, or three times and you're expanding it more and more and more getting closer and closer to 30 minutes or longer. Again, not timing it, but just expanding it more and more. So if you start with once a day for five minutes, that's fine. But if you can get more, get more, maybe more frequency, maybe twice a day, or if you can get longer, 15, 20 minutes, you're just always working to expand your meditation practice where you can eventually get more and more meditation going. Right now, I meditate twice a day. There's some days where I meditate three times or four times a day. If I'm teaching, I'll be meditating in classes. But for what I do privately by myself, I do about twice a day. But there's certainly been times where I've done either once a day for a little period of time. And there's certainly been times where I did five or six times for myself outside of teaching that I just felt like 
I was interested in having, you know, three, four, five meditations in that particular day. And there's been some days where I didn't meditate at all. For example, a few years ago, I got in a motorcycle accident and I couldn't really breathe because I had a cracked rib. It was really difficult for me to breathe and it was painful. So for about a week and a half, I didn't meditate at all. But it's okay because I'd already scooped a lot of water. My bucket was already had a lot of water in it. So after that week and a half was over and my ribs started healing a little bit, not completely healed, but it was partially healed, I started meditating again and I started scooping some more water. So don't feel guilty or shameful as you build up this practice. It's going to need to be built up from the ground and get some consistency more and more and more. If you're meditating with music or apps or gongs or candles or all of this other stuff, you're welcome to do that if you like. But I suggest the more that you get away from those kind of things, the better for you in your mind. And you may need to do that gradually. If you're used to meditating with music or apps or other kind of things like this that are going on, you may need to do one session with it and one session without one session with it, one session without, and do that for a little while, build up your practice. Then do one session with it, two or three sessions without it. One session with it, two or three sessions without it. Do that for a while and just gradually ease the mind away where all you need is the body, the mind, and the breath. These are the only three things you need to meditate, the body, the mind, and the breath. But it's going to be challenging for you to kind of start out that way if you've never meditated that way before. If you're used to meditating with other things or you're just starting out on a meditation practice, it's oftentimes hard to just have the body, the mind and the breath, because at that point, all you're left with is your thoughts. And if your thoughts are bound up like most people are who haven't reached enlightenment, there's all this ickiness, there's all this unwholesomeness, there's all this congestion and confusion in the mind all bound up and tangled up. And it's not until you start unwinding this that these thoughts start to surface. And just the body, the mind, and the breath, if you're left with these thoughts, it can be a bit challenging. So that's why I say kind of ease into meditation and that way the mind can just gradually adjust to this new life practice that you're building for yourself. Thanks, David. It seems especially important as we begin meditating that we not place expectations on ourselves and that we not feel guilt as a result of what happens. And would you say that that also involves the path in general and applies to us as we walk on this path? Yeah, this is a common thing that people will have worry or anxiety or guilt about either not meditating, for example, or if you learn about the Buddhist teachings about things like right intention, right speech, right action, and you realize, wow, like I've been doing all that stuff my whole life. I shouldn't be doing that. It's harming me. It's harming other people. Or once you learn the teachings, a lot of times people think that they're going to just snap their fingers and instantly be able to practice the Buddhist teachings. But that's not how this works. You're gradually training the mind. The Buddha didn't instantly attain enlightenment. This is one of the big myths within Buddhist communities. 
is people think that he sat down under a tree, he meditated, and well, wham, he got to enlightenment. That's not what he says at all, and that's not what people's experience is who have attained enlightenment. It's a gradual training. So you can think about the Buddhist teachings like a ceiling. Like this is the ideal, is to get to this ceiling where you are fully practicing as an enlightened being. But you're somewhere below that right now. And you've got to gradually build up your practice more and more and more, getting to that ceiling. And as you do, you're going to fall back. And then you're going to go up. And then you're going to fall back. And then you're going to go up. And then you're going to fall back and go up and fall back and go up. And this is completely normal. And as you do, even I tell you right now, don't feel guilty. Don't feel shameful. Right? Don't feel any of those. But you will because that's what the mind does. But just try to eliminate that as we go. I'm going to give you more and more tools, more and more teachings of how to eliminate that. But it's one thing to hear me say to eliminate it. It's one thing for you to hear me say, don't worry, don't have guilt, don't have anxiety, don't have shame. But the way the mind functions is it will. And just use that as motivation of, man, I've got to get this mind fixed. I don't enjoy feeling guilty. I don't enjoy feeling shameful. I don't enjoy this anger and this frustration and this irritation, this boredom and this loneliness. I don't like these things. And if you don't like this discontent mind, then you're in exactly the right place. I don't know too many people that like anger and enjoy it, or they enjoy feeling guilty, or they enjoy feeling bored or lonely or shy or having fears. I don't know people that really enjoy that. And that's the motivation for us as humans to learn these teachings and progress so that you can eliminate this from the mind through training the mind. So even I tell you, no need to feel guilty or shameful. At some point you probably will, but then just remember, ah, you know, it's okay. Yeah, I forgot to meditate today. It's okay. I'm going to do better right now. I'm going to meditate now or tomorrow. Or if you learn about what's called right speech and you're not practicing right speech, fully or 100%. It's okay. You know, everybody is going to go up and then a little bit down, up and a little bit down, up and a little bit down, up and a little bit down, right? You're going to just constantly be working towards this ceiling. And as you do, you're going to see things improve more and more and more. Thanks, David. We have a question from the Zoom virtual classroom. So I'm going to unmute. Um, hi, David G. Uh, Atullah here. Okay, I have a question regarding meditation. You just mentioned that, uh, you know, if I'm, doing, if I'm doing a certain kind of meditation and if you teach me the breathing and mindful meditation, I need to leave the other practice. I am a Vipassana meditator and I meditate twice a day. Uh, I, I attended Goenkaji's uh, retreats and I'm quite sort of into that practice. I, I practice in the morning and in the evening. Uh, we got this guided one-hour group sit meditation which does anapana, Vipassana, and then a little bit of loving kindness. So how would I work with it, kind of? If you can, and I would suggest that you just set that to the side for the period of this class, because I think what you'll find is that by focusing on these teachings, you'll be able to observe the improvement in the mind through these teachings. What 
I understand that they teach at the Vipassana retreats. I don't know because I've never attended one. But through talking with students like you, it sounds like what they do is the first few days they teach breathing mindfulness meditation, which is what I'm going to be teaching you as well. So that should go right along with your Vipassana meditation that you've always been doing. What Goenka teaches that I don't teach is what I've heard described as body scanning. Again, I don't know because I've never done it, but you're nodding your head yes. So I don't teach that. And if you would like to continue to do that, it's totally up to you. If it's benefiting you, feel free to use it. But what I would suggest is just focus on what it is that I'm sharing, because then you'll be able to see as a complete system that all of this is actually moving in the direction of improving the condition of the mind. And you'll know exactly what it was. Was it this teachings from David that I'm studying and that is coming from the Pali Canon and the Buddha? Or was it this other stuff that I'm using from my Vipassana meditation courses? So by separating the two, I think you'll be able to see more clearly exactly what's creating the benefit for you. Because if you meditate the way I'm teaching you for a few weeks or a few months and you're seeing improved benefit, then you know it's coming from this. Whereas if it doesn't improve, which I've never had a student ever say that it hasn't because I've always seen people improve with what I'm sharing. But if for some reason it didn't, you could always go back to what you learned before. But I don't suspect that you'll have that experience. So maybe give that training that you've had previously a little bit of a break. And this way, it'll help you to also eliminate any attachment that you might have to Vipassana. Because some people can be attached to a particular meditation style or a particular teacher. So by you letting that go for a few weeks or a few months, it can be good for the mind to not hold on to Vipassana too tightly. Yeah, I agree with you in that sense. Um, what's happening is at this moment, uh, there's a retreat that I follow with a teacher uh, for twice a day. And I think because, and I'm also trying to kind of sit daily to get to this two years kind of uh, requirement to do a 20 day course. But as you just suggested, I would be, I can actually keep away, I can take away this uh, practice for a few uh, days or a few weeks away because there's some big course going on, then I'll not be able to attend. So maybe for the, maybe for a week or two when the retreat is there, I can just follow it up. But still go on with this practice because there are two different practices and I, I usually used to do a lot of loving kindness practice with my uh, teacher uh, Venerable Bhante Vimala. He's now in, uh, he's, he's a Sri Lankan monk and he teaches loving kindness meditation. So I used to do that and that really actually helped me quite a bit and it works well with me when I'm doing the Vipassana as well because it brings in a lot of metta because you need a lot of metta. Uh, when you are doing vipassana, because vipassana, is, as you just said, can, scanning the body, and it's quite a so it's a task. It's, it's it's quite a thing that you go in, and you know it's it's like going through your body. It's it's, it's a process. So I yeah, I would love to do that. The way you said it, no time, because here this is like a one hour group sit that I follow. Goenkaji's uh, uh, group sit uh, tape for one hour in the morning, and then I can sit one hour in the afternoon or evening, depending. Uh, how the time is with me. So as I just said to you the other day, I wrote to you that noon time is a little bit kind of dicey for me. When I sit for my meditation, I end up kind of dozing or something like that. And it shouldn't be happening. But as you just said, the body is whatever happens, happens. 
So I, I, I'm really looking forward to do what you are teaching and put it into my practice as well because it's something I need to expound and expound myself to the teachings of the Buddha. That's what I want to do. Good. Well, I'm glad you're here and sounds like you've got a good approach to it and feel free to ask any questions as you go, just like you did already. Yeah, definitely. I, in fact, I was looking, it's just that I got a little bit late today. Uh, actually, it was my birthday, so I was celebrating it uh, with my with the Venerable Bhante. He had come online and we did a puja, the Pali <laughs> chanting and all that. So it was just a little bit, I got a little bit delayed. But other than that, I, I will, I'll catch up with what you said at the beginning uh, from the from the video from the youtube but now that you just mentioned so i'll try to work the way you have uh, suggested so it works better with the group because it's a teaching program i'm following and i'd like to do it thoroughly as per the requirement you know i don't want to mix myself up with too much and then get entangled unnecessarily with the practice that doesn't work for either practice doesn't work for me in the end and i don't want that to happen sure the goal is to get this mind of that you currently are inhabiting to enlightenment and whether it's vipassana or what i'm teaching we're all headed to the same goal so uh that's that's a, we're all working in the same direction so everything that you're doing is only going to benefit that goal thank you yes definitely mm -hmm. thank you very much i'm looking actually forward to this entire course good thank you you're welcome thank you very much thank yeah, you thank for you. coming i had a question david People often enter into this practice coming from a background, religious or spiritually, based on belief. I was wondering if you could expand on the on the self-motivated aspect of this practice and what role, if any, belief plays relative to independent verification. Yeah, so the way that some traditions work is, you know, there's some kind of building and people show up to that building and a person's going to come in and kind of share some teachings that are to be believed. And then as part of that, people partake in some kind of rites, rituals, ceremonies, or worship or something like this. This isn't everywhere, but this is what some people are kind of used to. The Buddhist teachings aren't that at all. They're not based on belief there's not rites, rituals, ceremonies, and worship as part of what he taught. People have added those things after he died, but during his lifetime, he taught that rites, rituals, ceremonies, and worship don't lead to this enlightened mental state because the enlightened mental state is all about training the mind. And there's no bowing to a statue. There's no sprinkling water there's no prayers asking for some third entity to help you it's all about your own work it's all about your own dedication this path to enlightenment is an independent journey it's about you making wise decisions to actively learn and actively train the mind on this path and it's only through your own efforts your own dedication your own application of effort that you're going to be able to progress because there's nothing I can do to give you enlightenment or force you to attain enlightenment. There's nothing anyone else can do. It's only through your own efforts. The Buddha called it striving. You need to strive. You need to pursue enlightenment, but not as a yearning or a longing or I've got to have it right now 
kind of thing because that's not going to produce the kind of results you are interested in. But you also don't want to be over here where you're complacent and lazy and having dullness, where you're not applying time, effort, energy, and resources to the goal. So you've got to find this middle where you're not overly longing and craving and wanting enlightenment, but you're also not complacent and unmotivated, being dull or something like that. So you've got to find that middle where you kind of each day maybe read for 10 minutes or 15 minutes, just a short time. I don't actually suggest that you sit and read for an hour or two or three because it's hard for the mind to retain that, especially when it's muddled with the attachments and it's muddled with the pollution and the taints in the mind. Just drip feeding these teachings is what's important. These talks that I do are normally about two hours long, sometimes shorter, sometimes a little bit longer, but your reading during the week, maybe just 10 or 15 minutes a day is really all you need just to put it into the mind and then practice and see that it's true. And then same thing with your meditation. I don't suggest these two, three, four, eight hour meditation periods. The mind needs meditation, but the goal is to have consistent, dedicated meditation over a long period of time. Whereas if someone goes into these eight, 10, 12 hour meditation periods, oftentimes people can be dissuaded because it is so challenging and so difficult. Now, there's certainly people that have gotten a lot of benefit out of that. I know enlightened people, enlightened monks who meditated for seven days in one sit without eating, sleeping, going to the bathroom or anything like that. And they've gotten some really good benefits out of that. But I also see that they've got a lot of challenges in the body that their legs are kind of almost deformed, that it's difficult for them to walk because they were in one place for so long. So you've got to find that middle. And for me, I think a very good middle way is somewhere between 15 to 30 minutes, you know, closer to 30 minutes per session, once, twice, three times a day. You'll really notice two times a day will really make things really nice for you. Three times a day will just make it even better. Again, all without timing, but just generally work towards about a 30 minute sit twice a day or three times a day. And like I said, you might have to ramp that up with five, 10, 15, 20 minutes, getting more and more and more and more. Doesn't mean you can't meditate for an hour. Doesn't mean you can't meditate for two hours. What I'm sharing is meditation doesn't necessarily need to be enjoyable where you're actually craving pleasant feelings, but it shouldn't be unenjoyable either. When you first start, maybe, yeah, it's like walking through the mud a little bit. And that's why maybe five, 10 minutes, 15 minutes is all you can do to kind of gradually build up this practice. But more and more, as you start seeing the benefits and you start seeing the mind become more clear, focused, concentrated, more memory, you start seeing your feelings of anger go down to frustration, to irritation, to annoyance, to, ah, that actually didn't have any effect at all. My mind's still peaceful. When you start seeing these benefits, it's almost like rolling a snowball that the momentum, you start being more interested to meditate. It's no longer a chore to meditate. You've kind of broken through that complacency and that wall 
that before kind of inhibited you or hindered you from progressing on this path where once you start seeing enough accumulated benefits, then you kind of know you're on the right path and you have more and more of a propensity to continue to do it. That's why the first month I'm only going to teach breathing mindfulness meditation because I'd like you to get really solid with that before we move in the loving kindness meditation and start adding that into your practice because I would like to kind of get this snowball moving, get the momentum of this practice underway so that you can start experiencing that. So all of these decisions are independent decisions. There's never a time where I'm going to say, did you meditate today? Right. I'm not going to do that in class. I might do it privately if we're talking and you're kind of discussing about a lot of problems that are going on. I might mention, like, how's your meditation practice going? Just kind of checking in with you to see how it's going for you. But it's all personal decisions. It's only your personal decisions that's going to improve the condition of the mind. Nobody can force you to do this. And even if I could, I wouldn't because I'm not interested in forcing anyone to do anything. So it's all independent decisions, independent journey. And this is where you'll see the truth. Because if you've ever been involved in rites, rituals, ceremonies, and worship, there's nothing at the end of that that proves to you what you just did actually worked, right? If somebody sprinkles some water on you, how do you know that it worked? If you bow down to a statue and somebody tells you that something good's going to happen for you, you don't necessarily know that's going to work. But when you're learning teachings based on the truth and you can independently see that truth for yourself and you get wisdom and it improves the condition of the mind, and then somebody teaches you some meditation, how to train the mind, and you do this over a few days, few weeks, few months, and you see the condition of the mind improving, this is how you know you're learning the truth because the teachings that someone's sharing with you are leading to better and better results. It's not just based on belief, but you can see it real time that the condition of the mind's improving. But you're never gonna get to that if you just believe you're never going to get to that if you don't take the time, effort, energy, and resources to apply to actively learning and actively training the mind on this path. So that's why it's not based on belief. It's based on you actually doing something. And the decisions that you make on this path are what's going to lead to a more and more improved condition of the mind. Thanks, David. We have a question from YouTube. Lieta asks, I have found that when I meditate with low, soft music in the background, I seem to reach a different level than without. Can this become a crutch? Yes, it does. Because when you're meditating using breathing mindfulness meditation, the goal of this practice is to eliminate craving, desire, attachment. This is where the mind wants to hold on. It has this outward longing for satisfaction and pleasure and it wants to hold on to these pleasurable feelings. This practice of breathing mindfulness meditation is to eliminate the mind's holding on because it's the mind holding on that causes it to be discontent. And what you're also doing is you're building mindfulness or awareness of mind. So you're eliminating the unwholesome root of craving, desire, attachment, and you're cultivating awareness of mind or mindfulness. 
Well, if you're trying to eliminate this quality or this aspect of the mind that's holding on to things so tightly, if you've got music playing in the background, the mind is just holding on to that music. It doesn't want to just sit with its thoughts and be peaceful, calm, serene, and content with joy. It wants this sound. It craves this sound. It wants to hold on to the sound to get those pleasurable feelings. And if it doesn't have that sound, then it doesn't like it. And that's the whole problem with the mind is it wants this pleasurable thing through the senses, either the eyes, the nose, the mouth, the ears, the bodily contact, or the mind. This is the six senses that the mind is craving pleasure through these six senses. And by you playing the music, it's actually just giving the mind what it wants, which is this pleasant sound. But that's not permanent. And therefore, when that sound isn't there, the mind doesn't like it and it becomes discontent. And what you're trying to do is train the mind to not be attached to these external things. You're trying to train the mind to be inwardly content, inwardly peaceful, inwardly serene and calm and joyful. But it can never get there if you allow it to latch on to these external things. So just like I mentioned earlier, since your mind is attached to this music, you need to gradually ease it away. Do one session with it, one session without. One session with it, one session without. Then one session with it, two sessions without. One session with it, two sessions. And then three, and then four, and then five. And eventually, you'll be getting so much benefit of not using the music that you just won't even use the music anymore. So the mind doesn't like change. This is the whole problem with the unenlightened mind is it doesn't like change. It doesn't like impermanence. So that's why you need to gradually ease it off because if you just went cold turkey and stopped using the music, the mind's not going to like that because the unenlightened mind doesn't understand and doesn't like impermanence. So this gradual easing off of the music will help the mind adjust and acclimate to know music a lot better. And when you do this, this is eliminating a craving, desire, attachment. You're going to be able to apply the same methodology to all the craving, desire, attachment that's in the mind right now. There's many, many, many constant craving, desire, attachments in the unenlightened mind, and you're going to have to gradually ease the mind off of all of these. Some of them you can stop right away, but there's some that are more firmly rooted that you're going to need to ease the mind away from. So if you apply this methodology to the music in your meditation and you see how it works and you see the benefit that it brings to the mind, now you've got more wisdom and you've got the truth that you can see how this is working. And now you can apply the same methodology to if you were smoking or using drugs or alcohol or any number of different attachments that you're going to need to kind of slowly, gradually let go of. Because what a craving desire attachment is, is the mind's longing for something with a strong eagerness. It wants something. And in this situation, the mind wants the music. And when it doesn't have it, it's discontent. It's causing its own discontentedness. And you've got to train it to no longer have that longing with a strong eagerness. Someday in the future, maybe you decide to have music outside of meditation. That's up to you. But during your meditation, 
It should be an active, dedicated, purposeful training session where you're either working to eliminate certain qualities or cultivate certain qualities. But holding on to the music is actually not training the mind in the direction that you really needed to go in. Thanks, David. Those are all the questions we have for today. All right. Well, I would like to thank you all for joining. It's a very wonderful to see all of you that are interested to learn and practice the Buddhist teachings. As you learn and progress on this path, there's many things that you're going to discover. There's going to be many joys. There's going to be many wonderful experiences. There's also going to be a lot of challenges, a lot of things that you're going to encounter that are difficult because the mind doesn't want to let go. The mind wants to hold on to all this stuff. But gradually over time, as you start seeing the benefits after a few days, a few weeks, and a few months, and you start seeing more and more benefits coming to the condition of the mind, what you're going to come to appreciate and realize is that you've made one of the very best decisions in your life that you could ever make, which is train your mind to be peaceful, calm, serene, and content with joy permanently. This means you're never going to experience anger, frustration, irritation, guilt, shame, fears, boredom, loneliness, shyness, resentment, jealousy. All of these discontent feelings can be eliminated because you're actively training the mind to do so. But it's only through your own time, effort, energy, and resources that that's going to happen, your own decisions. So you will look back on the days where you once used to experience anger as, thank goodness I learned Gautama Buddha's teachings, I applied them in my life because, wow, look at how this whole world has opened up to me. This is what we say when we say you're walking from the darkness into the light. Because when you walk to the light, to enlightenment, the whole world becomes brighter and it becomes more enjoyable. It becomes more smooth. So if you're struggling and having challenges in life now, honestly, this is as bad as it gets. If you've made it this far in life, this is as bad as it gets. As you learn and practice and improve the condition of the mind and the condition of your life, things only get better. But you've got to go through some learning and practicing to build up your practice to get there. So thank you for the time and effort, the dedication that you're going to put into learning and practicing these teachings. Because the more that we do that individually, then we're going to be improving our life. We're going to be improving the life of the people around us and all of humanity. Because people oftentimes want to rush out and help others. But how could you ever help anyone else if you haven't helped yourself first? It's not selfish to help yourself. You've got to help yourself first. You've got to improve the condition of your own mind. And then by you doing that, it's going to help those close to you. And it helps all of humanity because you're not harming people in the world through your conduct. So thank you very much for joining. I appreciate all your time and effort. If there's anything I can do, feel free to reach out and connect with me in the Facebook group, private message, a personal appointment, or questions in class. Until next Sunday, which is going to be our very first talk, 9 o'clock Thai time, I wish you a very wonderful rest of today. Have a wonderful next few days. 
and I'll see you on Sundays and Wednesdays at 9 o'clock Thai time. We'll see you then. Sawadee Thank you for listening to this podcast. To provide support for this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support Buddha. To access more teachings, visit buddhadailywisdom.com. There, you will discover a full range of courses, retreats, and online resources to assist you on the path to enlightenment. Remember to establish a daily, consistent meditation practice, along with learning and practicing these teachings. A well-developed meditation practice is the foundation in which to train the mind to attain enlightenment.